Hey there, future fans! It is episode 100! That's right, it's taken a little over two years to get here, but we have done it! This will be a regular episode except for the episode 100 giveaway. Did we get any more entries? Who won if we did? Find out the answer to that question and what the pick of the week is on this episode of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show welcome we have done it we have reached episode 100 this is a milestone for any show let alone some show recorded in some nerd's bedroom and i do believe the the sound quality and the the overall quality of the show is pretty good for a one-man operation after last episode i didn't hear any feedback from anyone about the new sound quality in the new place thus you know the the fact that it's just a little bit more echoey because i'm in a bigger room so you know what here we go we're gonna keep on going with this and i am not gonna move my desk because that is a pain in the ass in celebration i am drinking some champagne as you've heard with the cork pop that is the actual popping of the cork sound from the actual bottle of champagne that i'm drinking though i'm not drinking straight up champagne because i didn't want to just be a huge copycat of watch your mouth i wanted to do something movie themed so ann and i had put our heads together for a while trying to think of maybe something movie themed maybe something that was linked to a hundred somehow like maybe there was some type of tequila called cien or something like that and we couldn't find anything we, we didn't look that hard we looked in two stores but i settled on a choice that i i am very happy i did uh, a drink that you may have heard of before called the french 75 and the reason i picked this one is because it is featured in the movie casablanca Casablanca, of course, one of the greatest movies of all time, so I thought it only fit. So here we are. We we have made it to episode 100, despite the weeks I've taken off in the two, two plus years I've been doing this. We are here, and I'm glad we've made it. You have been on this journey with me, so thank you very much for listening, especially from those who have been with me from the beginning, and that is, of course, my fellow somewhat nerdy crew, Snarf Chris, Critter, Danger. I don't believe he listens, but I'll throw a shout out to uh, Sammy Kiss from the Nerds of the Squared Circle anyway, because he is a member of the family. Of course, the Watch Your Mouth podcast, they have been with me since the beginning too. And my, my two most loyal listeners, people I actually, I, I like to consider friends, that is Frat Matt and Brian Q. I thank you guys for, for always commenting. You have been with me since the beginning, and I cannot tell you how much that means to me. So thank you very much. Well, let's get a little opening housekeeping out of the way. So let me tell you what it is I do on the show, just in case you're choosing episode 100 to be your first episode, in which case, welcome to the show. This is Future Flicks with Billiam. I am Billiam. On this show, I go over every movie that's coming out during the week. I give my thoughts on it. I tell you what it's about and who's in it, but that's if it's a wide release or an interesting indie. For those limited release movies or, you know, B-movies that will never make it to the big screen, I give a basic premise and who's in it, try to keep the thoughts to a minimum, and then in the next section, I will go deeper into it. I'll give my thoughts on it. I will give it a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, a.k.a. The Bill Score. And then I have a pick of the week, which is the movie that I think you should see in theaters. And that is always going to be the movie either best suited for theaters, i.e. a blockbuster, or the movie that I think is just going to be the best one. A lot of the times a blockbuster wins out because, let's face it, those are best watched on the big screen. But you know what? They don't always win, which is which is why I like to believe that there's some kind of mystery each week. Like, oh, will the big one win? Who knows? Well, the next question is, how do you listen to the show? Well, you have found me somehow, so good job. But you can also find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, google play and any podcast app 
as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website that is somewhatnerdy.com. You can find me on the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page, which will probably link you to the website. You can get in contact with me in multiple ways. You can get in contact with me via email. That's billiamreviews at gmail.com. You can tweet me at billiamswn. You can also hit me up on Instagram at the same username at billiamswn. You can leave a comment for me on SoundCloud, on the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page, on the Somewhat Nerdy website, and just answer the question of the week. You can just tell me what you think. You can just say hi. You can give a rec- you can give me a movie recommendation. Though thanks to Brian Q, I have a lot of those, and I promise I will get to work on that new blog series soon. But you can always give me a recommendation or ask me your opinion going, hey, I want to go, I want to rent a movie. What should I rent? And, you know, I'll help you out. So, yeah, 100 episodes. I may say that a couple more times throughout this episode because I'm a little stoked, you know? Future Flicks began, as many of you know, as a blog on the Somewhat Nerdy website. The idea was given to me by my then-girlfriend, now-wife, Anne. And when Snarf Chris started Somewhat Nerdy Radio, I thought, oh, you know what? I should do a podcast, too. And then I thought, well... Why not turn the blog into it? So now here we are 100 episodes later. And now I couldn't be happier. Well, I mean, the show could be making money for me. That would make me happier. But where we where we are right now with the show, I, I am happy. We're not huge, but you know, we get a nice amount of listeners. So I thank all of you, even those of you who don't comment, even those of you who never bother to enter the episode 100 giveaway still thank you very much for listening so yeah june no i'm sorry not june april 11th 2016 was the birth of the blog i had done a blog back in uh january february about all the movies coming out for the next three months but that was i forgot what i called it and at this point i'm a little too inebriated to look it up but the first future fix blog was actually called oh there it is movie night with billiam and the topic was future flicks so there we go well anyway let us jump into the first segment just like we always do we've done this with the past 100 episodes we'll do it with the next the first segment which as always is the news it's weird i have this note here i don't actually remember writing i must have been really drunk when i wrote it because it says i'm a hot piece of ass and awesome take that i mean it couldn't have been Anne that was at my computer I, i don't think that was her she's shaking her head So that means I know it was her, but let's skip that and actually jump into the news. Deadline is reporting that apparently Idris Elba has been having fun on Twitter with the speculations that he was in talks to play the new James Bond. In an interview earlier this year with Deadline's Andreas Wiseman, Elba stated that at one time playing the iconic alcoholic spy was a, quote, pinnacle role for him, but he said that with the speculation over his getting the role with it being such a big deal it had become a farce and he was numb to it it doesn't look like he's actually gunning for the role but he's just having fun playing with people tweeting things like my name is elba idris elba and then later tweeting don't believe the hype barbara broccoli her real name barbara broccoli kids hater (laughs) has told director antoine fuqua that it's time for a non-white James Bond. But to that, I only semi-disagree. I think that when you actually find the right non-white actor to play James Bond, then it will be time. This shouldn't be something that should be forced. I mean, now if maybe, maybe all it takes is you, or not you, but the people making this movie to be aware that they want something different. Maybe that is what it will take and they'll notice the right person. But I don't want this to become uh, a political move to appease some you know bleeding heart protester people, or I, I can't think of the word for them, but just appease people who are angry because a white character has been white for the past you know, 50 years or whatever. But if the right person is found, if the right actor is found, then go for it. Yeah, bring me a James Bond that I can love just like I love Daniel Craig, just like I love Pierce Brosnan, just like I love Roger Moore, Sean Connery, and to a lesser extent, Timothy Dalton, and then George Lazenby sure existed. But we'll see who becomes the next Bond because Daniel Craig said this is going to be his last movie. He in fact wanted Spectre to be his last movie, if you remember that, just because he was tired of it all, but he said he would come back if they gave him a 
ton of money and they are going to give him a ton of money and this time the movie is going to be directed by Danny Boyle that's right Danny Boyle who did train spotting so we'll see where this goes it could be interesting news from Hollywood Reporter regarding Star Trek 4 Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth the two Chris's have walked away from the negotiation table for the fourth film in the semi-popular franchise the reason they walked away money but it's not it's not as bad as it sounds hold on both of the Chris's are A-list actors now and are said to have pre-existing contracts with Paramount and Bad Robot. The two actors want the same contract they were promised while Paramount wants to lower their price tags. So you know what? I can actually see where they're coming from in this because I know they're rich and they could very well take a pay cut. But you know what? You, you have this contract with this company and they want you to do yet another sequel. And then they go, oh, by the way, and we're going to lower how much we're paying you and f*** your pre-existing contract. I, I can see that. We will see where this movie goes moving forward because the other actors haven't officially signed on yet, but they are expected to. And anything else is speculation. There's some speculation that they will replace the Chris's if they don't sign on. And some speculation that Paramount will give in if the two Chris's don't go along with their pay cut. Have you seen the first look at Isabella Mornair as Dora the Explorer? No? Well, let me tell you why I have a big disappointment with it. This looks like some college student cosplaying. She looks way, way too old to be Dora. According to Nickelodeon, Dora was seven during the first show, and then during the show Dora in the City was 10 years old. So now we're having someone who's almost an adult, Isabella Mornair is 17, so we're having someone who's almost an adult play her. Were there no child actors available? Were there no Latina kids to pick from? My big problem with this is how creepy things are going to get when they go ahead with this movie. You can already rule 34 Dora, and it will only get worse from here. Hell, remember that spoofed live-action Dora the Explorer with Ariel Winter as an over-sexualized Dora? Yeah, prepare for worse. According to Slash Film, James Wan took some time out of his busy schedule to be the second unit director for the upcoming movie The Nun, which takes place in his unoriginally named Conjuring-verse. And even though I just criticized the name, I love this universe. And this upcoming spinoff will have some of the original director's vision in it. So, yay. And you know what? Jumping back to an old story, as in old as in the one I mentioned before, the James Wan one, there was speculation that Michael Bay was producing the Door of the Explorer film because his company was doing it. But according to MichaelBay.com, I, I didn't visit that garbage website. I found this on Reddit. Those are, th those rumors are false. That it's just his production company and it's not actually him. So we won't have any explosions or, or God awful, meaningless plots in this movie. At least I hope not. Director Sean Levy confirms that he has completed a script for Tom Holland's Uncharted film. Because as you all know, we all want the Lord Almighty of nerds, Nathan Fillion, to be Nathan Drake in the Uncharted films. He, of course, did a, a fan-made film where he played Nathan Drake, and it was fantastic. If you haven't seen this yet, watch it, because you are not a good nerd until you watch that. Okay, that's a lie. There's no real one thing all nerds have to do. That That is just propaganda spread by mainstream sitcoms. So there we go. But the only thing we know about this about the film so far, besides Sean Levy directing, is that Tom Holland is going to play a young Nathan Drake. Will we see an older Nathan Drake in the film? I'm not sure. There, there's been no word about that yet. Will Tom Holland just be in flashbacks, or will the movie be all about him? That only time will tell. And when I know, you will know, because I'll talk about it right here on Future Flicks. And finally, in the news, if you haven't heard, the Oscars are going to change. Now, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know how I feel about awards shows. They can be easily bought, so you can never be certain that the best picture really is the best. It could just be the, the picture that had the most money. And I think that's why a lot of people got, one of the reasons a lot of people got really angry when, you know, all these white people were winning awards. Oscar's so white, blah, blah, blah. It really wasn't about talent. It isn't. It's about who who can sell themselves the most. But anyway, all that all that stupid shit is behind us. But the new news is 
it's okay, I guess. I mean, I, I, I guess I think I'm okay with it. The first change is that the show is going to be three hours long. It used to be longer, but now the less popular categories are being given out during the commercial breaks. Some people, namely costume designers, sound editors, people like them, call this change demeaning. But let's be honest, no one gives a f about your category. I know you're proud, and I'm glad you're proud. I want you to be proud of your work, and without, without all these people, the movie wouldn't be made. But that doesn't mean I want to sit there and see sound editing awards. Do you know who won the sound editing Oscar in 2017? George McKay. Never heard of him? That's because I made him up. But if I didn't say anything, you would have believed me. Okay, the actual uh, winner was Sylvian Bellamare for The Arrival, or Arrival, which was a... A lot of people hated that movie, but if you read the short story it's based on and then watch the movie, you'll go, wow, that movie was so much better because the short story was complete shit. Like, whoever read the short story that The Arrival is based off of and thought to turn into a movie should be smacked upside the head and fired, because that was a bad idea. But the next big change is the addition of the Popular Film Award. That is because for a long time now, the Oscars have been criticized that popular movies, we're talking about blockbusters and stuff like that, are always ignored. It, except in very extreme cases. Okay, very extreme cases like uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King for Best Picture. There, there was a lot of outcry when Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight was ignored for Best Picture. And this, this has been going on for a while because we all know the Academy is full of snotty old assholes. And I think that the addition of a popular film award is a step in the right direction, but we won't truly see this change. And this is going to sound really dark, but trust me, I, I am not that big of an asshole. But once they're all gone, once these people are all gone, either they retire from the Academy or they die and we get new blood in there. People from our generation, maybe one generation before us, then, then we will see changes that are, are, are the younger people want to see. That is a, we, we want to see an awards show where Black Panther could win best picture. We want to see our favorite movies, the biggest movies of the year, have a chance. That doesn't mean they necessarily win. Who knows? If, you know, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, if Lady Bird, if other movies like that still come out and they're amazing, then they still deserve to win. But at least give popular movies a chance, and that is what the Popular Film Award will do. And then hopefully in the future, we will see more changes. But that is it for the news. Let us go into the next segment, which is the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, I'm excited for this trove because of, well, just one trailer I'm talking about. I'm talking about a couple, but one trailer above all really impressed me. That's for Slaughterhouse Rules. And Rules is spelled with a Z because it's badass and awesome and edgy. Yeah. No, seriously, this is a movie starring Simon Pegg, Michael Sheen, Asa Butterfield, and Nick Frost. That is badass. This is a film about an illustrious British boarding school and its new teacher who, along with some of his students, stumble upon a hole that leads to hell from a nearby fracking site. So, so don't get worried there. This isn't some, oh, anti-fracking movie. Okay, to be perfectly candid, I'm against fracking but I just don't like movies that push a political agenda that much unless it's a political movie. So rest assured, it doesn't seem like this one is one of them, but we have this hole in the ground that leads to hell. So demons and shit are coming out, start killing everyone. So Simon Pegg and his students have to survive and get out of this area alive. And I think it looks really good. This comes out on Halloween. We got a new trailer for an indie horror called heretics but spelled with a k to make it cool that's right a lot a lot like rules with a z and i'm torn on this one if you watch a trailer you may see why parts of it look really cool uh, a period horror with demons and shit, yeah but some of it looked really cheesy just a couple scenes but it was still there and it looked like a straight to video horror made by some kids with an iPhone, but just for a couple scenes, the rest of them looked really good. So we'll see which one it is when the full film comes out sometime this year. But the scenes that caught that just kind of made me go, eh, looked like they were from 13 ghosts. And here's the thing. 
I love 13 Ghosts, but it's a cheesy, not really well done horror movie that I just love for nostalgia value because it's one of the first horrors I bought on DVD. Halloween was the first. I No. Yeah. Halloween was the first, I think. But then 13 Ghosts was shortly after. And I have a special place in my heart for that film. But this movie looked like it was going for a indie period horror. And then these scenes that looked like it was out of that movie. I'm like, really? That, that just kind of threw me a bit. But we will see when the film comes out. Next two, the next three things I'm going to talk about, I'm just going to be quick about because they're like third and fourth trailers for things. We have a new trailer for Wreck-It Ralph 2, which still looks good. But this time we get a first look at Gal Gadot's character or Gal Gadot or is it Gal Gadot? I know you pronounce the T. Whatever, I'll look it up later. At her character, who is a driver in an online video game called Slaughter Race. So, of course, Vanellope will want to get in on that action because she is from a racing video game. There's a new Venom trailer, and it still looks okay. Uh, I, I don't have high hopes anymore. When the first one came out, I was like, okay, this looks like it's going to be pretty good. But now that now that I've digested it for a bit, I, I'm just kind of, eh, maybe, maybe it'll be good. This newest trailer look, made the movie look like it'll be mediocre at best. And that's it, actually. Two more things. Yeah, that's it. Uh, really, except for Slaughterhouse Rules and Parts of Heretics, that, that was it for the trailer trove this week. So let us take our first break, which, as always, is from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio. So please stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, and we're back, and we are here with the limited release section. The first movie in the limited release section is a movie called Megalodon. And no, let's not get this confused with Meg. This is called Megalodon. A military vessel on the search for an unidentified submersible finds themselves face-to-face with a giant shark, forced to use only what they have on board to defend themselves from the monstrous beast. This stars Michael Madsen from Reservoir Dogs, and it's a sci-fi original movie that aired on Monday. So if it interests you at all, keep your eyes open and it'll probably repeat a couple times. Next up in the limited section is a film called We the Animals. Three brothers tear their way through childhood. Their parents share a love that is serious and dangerous, and it makes and unmakes the family many times. The f*** does that mean? We'll see when the movie comes out. This stars Raul Castillo from Atypical and Sheila Van from Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. So this is based on some piece of literature. And remember, whenever I use the term literature, it's always with sarcastic air quotes, because whenever a book or a story is considered literature, it's always, or oh, not always, okay? I admit there's some good literature out there, but it's usually going to be either douchey or depressing. Uh, and just brought up a caveat to that. Um, uh, the book called the, the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, we both read, and that was good, and that could be considered literature. But think of like Cormac McCarthy, who is both douchey and depressing. So that's the kind of stuff I usually think of when I think of literature, because usually some snobby ass talking about it and going, oh, I, I don't read genre fiction, I read literature. Did the main character die in abysmal way in the book? Then I don't want to read it. But anyway, it's based off this piece of literature that was apparently praised by critics. But if you look on like Goodreads or Amazon, it's very mediocre. And it's not usually the case with things like this. But anyway, it, it just looks very... You hear me use this word a lot when I talk about indie films. Uh, not all indie films, mind you, but just certain ones that are contrived. They just feel very contrived, like they are trying. Like the director went out and goes, I want to make your typical indie film. Let's go find a depressing book and make it into a film. Let it be so. So we have these three boys that just live in like some backwoods state. Uh, it could be in some... Oh, actually, wait. If I remember right, it's near a big city, but like 
in the boonsy ass part of like the outer reaches of the city. So they're all like they run around shirtless and without shoes the whole time, like ghetto ass kids or something like that. And their parents fight and the dad leaves and the mother becomes a mess and is asking like one of the youngest kids, what should I do? Tell me what to do. The whole thing just looks so depressing and meaningless to watch. It's just like my biggest problem with The Light Between Oceans is that nothing... Okay, stuff happened, but when the book ends and the characters are in the same place that they begin at, you have wasted my time. That's why I I always bring this up. That's why I hated Dreamgirls, because nothing changed. They were the same people they in the end that they were in the beginning it's a poorly written film and i think this movie is going to suffer from the same thing and i already talked about it more than i want to because this is a limited release so let's move on the next movie on the list for the limited section i'll try not to talk that much about it it's called the little mermaid a young reporter and his niece discover a beautiful and enchanting creature that they believe to be the real little mermaid this stars poppy drayton from the shannara chronicles william mosley from the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Gina Gershon from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and legend Shirley MacLaine. Uh, this looks like garbage. Utter, utter garbage. Uh, this looks like the type of movie that would make it straight to the bargain bin at Walmart. So d- skip this 100%. Next up is a film called Billionaire Boys Club. No, this, this isn't a, a porno, as much as it sounds like one. A group of wealthy boys in Los Angeles during the 1980s establish a get-rich-quick scam that turns deadly. This stars Ansel Elgore from Baby Driver, Taryn Egerton from The Kingsman, boyfriend abuser Emma Roberts, and accused pedophile Kevin Spacey. So yeah, great cast. Two really good people and two garbage human beings. So let's let's not pay for this. And I'll tell you why. You can watch this for free on YouTube. It is easy. Just type in Billionaire Boys Club movie. And it's one it's one that's a couple hours long, not a couple minutes long. There. It's free to watch. Don't support Kevin Spacey or Emma Roberts. The next movie on the list is called Breaking and Exiting. Are you ready for this? Harry, a charming burglar, meets Daisy as he's breaking into her house she's in the middle of killing herself and he takes it upon himself to save her and the two form a bond the the actual is this about okay this stars milo gibson from hacksaw ridge and the sixth son of mel gibson that's not a movie he's actually the sixth son of mel gibson and jordan henson from eureka so this guy is breaking into this woman's house to rob her catches her mid-suicide saves her and then oh they fall in love yay this just seems like they took a basic rom-com and tried to make it a little edgy um no i would 100 skip it unless rom-coms are your bread and butter next up is a movie called or a documentary called mind the gap three young men bond together to escape volatile families in their rust belt hometown As they face adult responsibilities, unexpected revelations threaten their decade-long friendship. This is a skater documentary, the second one in so many weeks, that's going to be released on Hulu. So check that out if, um, don't. Don't check it out. Blaze is the next movie. This is the movie about the life of musician Blaze Foley. This stars Benjamin Dickey from The Kid, Alia Shawkat from Arrested Development, Josh Hamilton from 13 Reasons Why, Chris Christopherson from Blade, Sam Rockwell from Seven Psychopaths, and Wyatt Russell from 22 Jump Street. Um, it, it doesn't look bad per se, but I just have no interest in Blaze Foley, and the movie doesn't look good enough for me to give it a shot anyway. So if you have ever heard of Blaze Foley, maybe check this out. And finally, in the limited section, is a movie called The Wife. A wife questions her life choices as she travels to Stockholm with her husband, where he is slated to receive the Nobel Prize for Literature. This stars Glenn Close from 101 Dalmatians, Jonathan Price from Game of Thrones, Christian Slater from Gleaming the Cube. Yes, Gleaming the Cube, remember that. Max Irons from The Host, Elizabeth McGovern from Downton Abbey, and Harry Lloyd from The Theory of Everything. And you know what? This movie didn't look terrible. It just didn't look good enough to make the cut into the wide release and interesting indies. And it didn't look bad enough to make the cut so I can swear about it a lot. Though using that theory, I mean, using those standards, we the animals really should have made it. But, um, well, live and learn, right? 
Um, Glenn Close, great actress. Jonathan Price, great actor. Lots of great people in this movie. It just, eh, meh, meh, no, no. And with that, it is time for our next break, where we hear a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. And welcome back. If this episode's been a little weird, especially in between the trailer trove and now, it's because I've had two more drinks and they've kind of hit me. So yay, drunken podcasting. My favorite pastime. Woo! That's right. And we're back. Welcome back to the show. So here we go with the wide releases and interesting indies. And first is a movie called Down a Dark Hall. Kit Gordy has a terrible name. She's also a juvenile delinquent who is sent to a boarding school for kids who are one step away from prison or juvie. Blackwood Boarding School gives her a terrible feeling, and after a while, she notices strange and scary things happening and learns that the school may be haunted. This stars Anna Sophia Robb from Soul Surfer, Uma Thurman from Pulp Fiction, Isabel Furman from Orphan, Victoria Morales from Teen Wolf the TV Show, Noah Silver from Tyrant, and Taylor Russell from Lost in Space. And I don't think this movie looks great. I don't think it looks outstanding or anything. The only reason it made it past the cut is that it's it's different. I mean, this is based on a series of young adult novels, the first one being Down a Dark Hall. And as the YA genre gets more and more popular, I, I think it's at its zenith right now, we are seeing more and more movies being made. A lot of them are fantastic, and still there are ones that aren't as big, like Simon vs. the Homo Sapien Agenda slash Love, Simon was big. Um, the Darkest Minds was big. Hunger Games, Twilight, things like that. But there are also a lot of movies being made from YA books that aren't as popular as some of the others. And I think that's what's really fun. So you can watch this movie go, oh, by the way, there's this whole series about it. Then you can check out something different. And the good thing is that Down a Dark Hall is, uh, you know, I don't know how long it is. And um, I'm not sure I want to spend the time looking it up. But let's say worst case scenario, two hours, probably a little over or a little under two hours. But, you know, that's not a bad amount of time to spend watching something that may introduce you to a new series you want to read. What's the worst case scenario? You watch this movie after it's at theaters, of course, I wouldn't pay to see this. But watch this movie once it hits the streaming services, Redbox, Netflix, anything like that. And then you go, oh, I don't like this very much. And then, hey, look, you didn't spend hours and hours reading a book. Now, this looks okay. The acting looks okay. Uma Thurman is fantastic. Isabella Furman, good. Uh, Anna Sophia Robb, not very familiar with her. Soul Surfer was her biggest film. Other than that, she hasn't done a whole hell of a lot. At least not that a lot of people have seen. So this looks well acted, at least mediocre to well acted, with Uma Thurman being the the far and away best. And we have these people in a story that looks interesting. It, it, it looks, it's also familiar, but not so familiar that it feels like a copy. So that's why this movie made it into the interesting indies and wide release section. Down a Dark Hall looks like it could be worth your time. It could be worth one of those those nights where you want to watch something different, want to watch something you may not necessarily watch on any other night. So you pick this up and you go, okay, at least I gave it a shot. Down a Dark Hall gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up is a film called Juliet Naked. Annie is not happy with where she is in life. Her longtime boyfriend, Duncan, is obsessed with an American indie rock star, Tucker Crow, who fell off the map and some believe went missing years ago and no one has seen him since. Annie doesn't want to compete with a ghost, or at least a missing person, and one day in retaliation to her boyfriend, she leaves a bad review for one of Tucker Crow's albums. 
only then to be messaged by Tucker Crow, who wholeheartedly agrees with her negative review. The two form a bond that slowly becomes more as Duncan moves out of the picture. This stars Rose Bine from Spy, Ethan Hawke from Daybreakers, and Chris O'Dowd from the IT Crowd. You know what, I've gone through a lot of phases with my movies where I, I really prefer a certain type and watch it a lot. And there was a time when rom-com was my go-to type of movie. And had this movie been released when I was in my rom-com phase, I would have been gangbusters to watch this in theaters. Now, in my advanced years, I still like rom-coms, though they're not my number one type of movie. But this still looks good. This looks like a, a typical rom-com with an interesting story. So we, we have our bare bones, a basic story, a woman caught between two men, the man she's been with for a while, who they start to fall out of love versus the new man who comes into the picture, who makes her feel things that she hasn't felt in a while, but she still can't quite cut it off with the old guy. We, we have kind of a horse whisperer feeling here, which of course, Horse, horse Whisperer wasn't a romantic comedy, but we, that was the basic thing as far as a relationship goes for that one. So we have a familiar bare bones story, but we add in this new thing about Ethan Hawke playing this, uh, playing this musician that just drops off the map. And then one day pops, like rears his head going, oh, I'm, you know, I'm still not back necessarily, but I'm going to talk to you, this woman who, who said everything I've been thinking about this album I released. And then the two start to fall for each other and it's cute and it's funny and has really good actors in it. Rose Pine is fantastic. She has a very wide range of characters, though she 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 does this one really well. And even though she can do a lot more or a lot different, at least I I'm happy watching her in this sort of role. It is familiar and it is good. We know she can do it. Ethan Hawke, wide range, too. And this is something that I'm not used to him doing. Chris O'Dowd is just wonderful. This movie looks looks enjoyable. It looks sweet. It looks cute. It looks like a great date movie. A great date movie or something to watch at home for an at-home date. So I think there are plenty of times to watch this movie. There are plenty of reasons to watch this movie. Especially if you're fans of any of the actors in it. And even if you're single, it looks cute and sweet. Some of you may know what I'm going to say next. And that's, if you're not a fan of romantic comedies, this is a very easy movie to skip. And so I think that this is the type of movie that you should really know if you have any interest in at all. Though I highly suggest you see it. I think it looks cute. It doesn't look amazing. It's not going to be anyone's favorite movie, but you're going to watch it. You're going to enjoy it and you're going to move on. But remember, not every movie you see should be an Oscar contender. You should go just see fun movies at times, enjoyable movies, movies that yeah you may forget later on. But at the time and maybe even for a week or two afterwards, you're like, OK, you, you live in the glow of it. You remember it and then you move on. I think that's what this movie is. This is a movie that you watch years later. You go, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was cute. You watch it again. You enjoy yourself. And you move on again. This is the type of movie that comes around a little more often than Haley's Comet. But, you know, it, it, it has this cycle. You all probably have movies like that in your life. And this could be the next one. Juliet Naked gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, we have an indie film, an indie foreign film that made it. Past the cut and made it into the interesting indie section, folks. This is called Memoir of War. Marguerite must navigate through the hardship of the liberation of France after losing her husband and starting a relationship with the enemy during World War II. She never stopped believing she'll see her husband again, but she must work hard to find out what it will take to find him. This is actually based on a true story. This is based on the true story of Marguerite Duras, and it's based on her memoir. So, I'm assuming she survives, unless this is an Anne Frank situation, but... This isn't a famous story. At least, I don't think so. I didn't study about this in school. I've never heard about this before. So it, unless you read the book, it should still be a surprise to you if she finds her husband. And if you've been around a while, you've heard me talk about French films before. There are two types of French films we see a lot here. Two types of French films that make a noticeable impact in America. And by noticeable, I mean people know about it, at least. And those are the really f***ed up crazy ones. And the ones that look really good. And this is one of the ones that look good. It doesn't look like a piano teacher level of what the f 
This looks like a film that's going to be good, but really heavy. So this is going to be really specific too. If you like French films, if you like French films and you like biographical movies about World War II, not focusing on battle, then this could be for you. If you don't like any of those things, or at least one of those things you don't like, then you can skip this film. But I think it is worth a shot. It looks it looks really good, looks well acted. And most of all, you can watch it and go, I have seen a French film, of course. Have you seen it? It was called La Douleur, I believe it's called. Memoir of War. Memoir of War gets a 6.5 out of 11. We have, um, let me see, four, five more movies. This, hold on, one, two, three, four, four more movies. I can't, I can't count. Oh God, if I can't count, is this really episode 100? Who knows? Well, okay, I know. I mean, I had a joke there, but I lost it. So let's move on. Let's move on to the next film that I've been waiting for for a while. Not, um, not terribly excited, but I, I first saw a trailer for this, I believe over a year ago, and now it's finally coming out. This film is called Alpha. Alpha is Zordon's bitch and the helper of the Power Rangers. No, I'm kidding. This movie is about Kida, a young man from a hunter-gatherer tribe who gets separated from his tribe after a hunt goes wrong. As he survives on his own, he fends off a group of wolves, injuring one of them. Instead of killing it, which would be the smart thing, he nurses it back to health because he's a f***ing idiot and forms a bond with it that will change the world forever and become the basis for our relationship with dogs. Aww. This stars Cody Smith-McPhee from X-Men Apocalypse, Natasha Malfi from Lake Placid, and Leonor Varela from Odd Thomas. You know, I may have mentioned this movie a couple times on the show just because I I know it was a while ago. I first saw the tra trailer for it. I didn't think it looked that great, but then I noticed it never, ever came out. And now, finally this week, we are seeing it. And you know what? Sure. Okay. I mean... This is this is a big movie. This is getting a wide release. And if you want to see some 100% fabricated story about how we first started to tame wild animals and become dogs, then you should watch this. This looks mediocre. It looks like it has terrible CG, like god-awful CG. Like CG so bad the Hobbit movies would laugh at it. That's how bad this is. And the, the trailer makes it come across as this contrived story, just forcing this narrative on us that like, oh, it, this this man and this wolf formed a friendship when they were both injured. And that's how we got dogs. Yay. You know, I was really mean to weirdo dog people last episode. So I'll be a little kinder this time. But I would be more excited if it looked better. It is an interesting idea, but it looks like it's executed very poorly. I don't know if this movie is subtitled or not. I just know that there are going to be some voiceovers in English because yes, early man spoke English. It is the original language. All y'all motherfuckers are speaking the wrong language. No, I would rather see it done in just a bunch of grunting with some subtitles. That That's what I would rather see. Even if he never talks in the movie besides a voiceover, it would still come across as cheesy. This movie looks like it's falling short of being good. It, it had a lot of promise and it's just not going to live up to it. And I think everyone should skip this. Alpha gets a 4.5 out of 11. Next up is a film called Crazy Rich Asians. Rachel is going to go meet her boyfriend Nick's family. The two travel to Singapore where she learns that she needs to win over Nick's mother, Eleanor, and it may be the hardest thing she's ever done. This stars Constance Wu from Fresh Off the Boat, Henry Golding from A Simple Favor, Michelle Yeoh from Tomorrow Never Dies, Gemma Chan from Humans, Lisa Liu from The Joy Luck Club, Aquafina from Ocean's 8, Harry Shum Jr. from Glee, and Ken Jeong from The Hangover. And my God. God, am I torn. I am, I am so torn. You, you all know, if you've li listened to the show for a while, you know my, my feelings on Asians in movies. For years, we've heard that, oh, Oscar's so white. No, black people and Latinos don't get enough representation. There was no talk about Asians. And, uh, you know, some people of color got nominated and most, most people were appeased, at least publicly appeased. There's still people bitching on the internet, but f*** them, right? And only four Asians in history have won a Best Actor, Best Actress Oscar. And we also don't see a lot of movies with Asian casts. 
hell, so many times Asian characters, if it's if it's based off a book or a comic book or something, an Asian character will be turned white or black or some other race, and hardly anyone says anything. I mean, we all know that um, there was the that whole controversy around Doctor Strange. I didn't mind that one because there were other Asians in it, blah, blah, blah. And also their explanation as to why it was played by the part was played by a woman and not an Asian dude. It, that made perfect sense. So I was happy with that. So with my history with Asians in cinema, you would think I'd have this huge boner for this movie. Like, ah, yeah, crazy rich Asians talk about crazy, huge boners. No, 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 no. Uh, this looks meh. I mean, it's a very basic, stereotypical story. Tell me, how many Asian stand-up comedians have you seen where bitching about their family, especially a mother, is like the big thing? And like, this movie, this plot has so many stereotypes. It's Does it make it okay that the, the book was written by an Asian that's starring Asians? Does that, does that make it okay or does it make it lazy? But I also support this because this is the first... Okay, I, I had to look it up. Crazy Rich Asians is the first studio film to tell an Asian American story in 25 years. And now that that stumped me at first, but then I caught what they did. They they said tell an Asian American story in 25 years. So that means Memoirs of a Geisha doesn't count and the first studio film to tell this story. So indie films like 2002's Better Luck Tomorrow doesn't count. So even though I want to like this movie, I really do. I just have too many problems with it. We have a stereotypical story that people are just applauding because of the fact that we're getting more Asians on the silver screen, which while I am behind, I would rather it be for a better story. If, if there is more to the story than just that, if... There's more that they're hiding that maybe the story has more depth than that. Maybe there's a lot to it. Then they did a piss poor job at selling this to us. And they should have celebrated the differences instead of focusing on the stereotypes. But I hope this movie does do well. And I hope it does well. So maybe there are other books out there that focus on Asian culture that will now get turned into movies if this film, well, I'll say it again, does well. Just like even though I don't like the Twilight series, I applaud it because of what it did. It got a whole generation of people back into reading and it helped, it helped make the YA genre one of the biggest. So even though I have a lot of bad things to say about Crazy Rich Asians, I hope it does well to spark a, a change where we see more films, more films with Asian casts. You know the stereotypes. There are tons of stereotypes about Asians, and one of them is that Asians are just like super polite and don't want to cause a stir, and that's why you will never see a you know Oscar's eyes so round hashtag or some shit like that. But yes, I really want this to do well, and I may even see it not in theaters though, but I'll see it when it comes out just to say yes, I did my part. All Starship Troopers like. I wish I could tell you to see this movie. I wish I could recommend it, but I cannot. Crazy Rich Asians gets a 5 out of 11. Two movies left, folks, and one pick of the week. The next movie, and the one that isn't the pick of the week, is called Mile 22. James Silva and his team must smuggle a police officer with sensitive information out of Indonesia with the entirety of the country's organized crime hot on their heels, wanting the officer dead. This stars Mark Wahlberg from Ted, Iko Uwais from The Raid, Lauren Cohen from The Walking Dead, current WWE superstar and former MMA fighter Ronda Rousey, writer and director Peter Berg, and John Malkovich from Red. I, I'm surprised this isn't my pick because I love action movies. I love Mark Wahlberg. I, I love The Raid. The Raid is one of my favorite action movies of all time. After WrestleMania, I'm a huge Ronda Rousey fan. Okay, I'm a moderate Ronda Rousey fan. I like her. She's cool. Uh, Lauren Cohen is cool. One, one of the least annoying characters on that show. And I find myself with this not as my pick because there's a more interesting movie but also this this doesn't do enough to tell me it's going to be worth my time in theaters 
it is an action film, but it's not it's not big enough to make me go. I need to see this on the big screen. I need surround sound for this. I need the theater experience. To be honest, my pick of the week doesn't need it either. But this this is the biggest movie of the week. This is the the big studio picture. But eh, I'm just eh with it it this looks like something to watch later this looks like something to watch as you wait for a sicario 3 this looks like something to watch as you wait to see if they do another raid movie looks like something to watch before just the next generic action film comes out it doesn't look bad it does not i've seen a bunch of trailers for it and it it looks interesting. I want to see it, but I just can't make this my pick because it, it didn't do well enough to sell itself to me. And the pick of the week is just way more interesting and does more to turn an already established genre on its head. So this one fell short and I can't have it as a pick of the week, but I, I would definitely watch this if you're an action fan, but I would watch it at home. Mile 22 gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the pick of the week, and then we're going to get into the giveaway and who won. But before we do that, we have to talk about Patient Zero. The pandemic turns the majority of humans into violent infected zombies. A man is gifted with the ability to speak to the infected after being bitten but not turned. He joins a group of scientists to look for a cure, but everything changes when they meet an involved infected who believes that the infected are the cure to humanity. This stars Matt Smith from Doctor Who, Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones, and Stanley Tucci from Easy A. You may remember when this trailer came out, I just blew my load all over the keyboard. I'm like, oh god, this looks great. Uh, because it does. This looks like a, a, a take on a zombie movie that actually does something different. And I love zombie movies. If they released just another standard zombie movie, I would watch it and I would probably enjoy it. I mean, out of all of the Night of the Living Dead, Land of the Dead, like those type of movies, there's only one I hated. I think that was called Diary of the Dead, the one that was shot really weird. And I did applaud them for trying something different, but it just came across really poorly. But this movie does try something different, and it looks really good. We have Stanley f***ing Tucci as a smart and eloquent zombie or infected, because they're not actually using the term zombie, who probably lets himself get captured just to go talk to these scientists and go, look, you guys are f And humanity was a cancer and we're the cure. So we have the benefit of Stanley Tucci's amazing acting coupled with a very interesting character. And I like how this is more of a drama than an action movie or a horror. It's more about these two scientists or this random dude who can speak to zombies and the scientist who is looking for a cure and how they deal with this new breed of zombie who comes to them. And there are a lot of classic zombie movie elements to this. Uh, a lot of stuff that reminds me a lot of 28 days later and 28 weeks later. But like I've said before, different enough to make it worth it. I can't wait. I may not make time to see this in the theaters because it doesn't, this doesn't need to be a theater movie. But at, if I go this week, if I go to see a new movie this week, Patient Zero will be it. Patient Zero gets an 8 out of 11. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall -wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up! How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMPodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, folks, it is time for the episode 100 giveaway. We now have three, count them, three answers, though one person has bowed out of winning. Let's, let's, you know, let's start with him. So Critter 
Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Watch Your Mouth's very own Critter answered, and he said, I would use it to rent a bunch of movies on Prime. There are times I want to watch a movie and the only ones really striking my fancy are the ones not included with Prime. I talk myself out of renting a bunch of movies because five bucks seems steep these days, but with an Amazon gift card, I can buy those movies all willy-nilly like. So thank you, Critter, for answering. Uh, I understand why you bowed out of winning the gift card, that you didn't have to, but you know what? I applaud you. Let's go back in time one month ago to Frat Matt, who was the first to answer, and for so long was the only answer. Frat Matt said, always wanted the James Bond box set of movies. And, you know, I do too, but I know they're just going to keep making them. So what I would rather have is like a, a box set per Bond. Like some ultimate edition of all the Sean Connerys, Roger Moores. And uh, that I would get just because it's not like Sean Connery is going to come back and do one more. After Daniel Craig retires and picks someone else, he's not going to do any more. So then we can, we can buy that set and not have another one come out and go, oh, that new one came out. Now here's another set you have to have. That's why I don't like buying collections until I know the series is done. Like for years they had like, oh, Fast and the Furious 1 through 4, then 1 through 5, 1 through 6, so on and so forth. The only reason I would I would buy like a Fast and the Furious one is just to get the Paul Walker ones and go, yeah, those are great. But as for Bond, I would love all the movies, but I, I would have to break it down by Bond, who played Bond. And you know what? I, I have to uh, say this right now before we move on with Brian Q's answer is that I still don't know who May is my God is. So if you if you reviewed the podcast and wanted to enter, I, I didn't see your your answer anywhere else. And I'm sorry. I do plan on doing smaller giveaways for the during the next 100 episodes, you know, not waiting another 100 episodes, but I don't know, maybe 2025, 20, somewhere around there. But I will make sure you get in that. But as for now, I checked SoundCloud, the Somewhat Nerdy website and Facebook page, my email, Twitter. I checked everywhere and only found Fratmat, Critter, and Brian Q, who said I would buy Dreams on Vinyl by Gabor Zabo. And that is very specific, and I love it. I wouldn't expect anything else from you. He then goes on to say, and also some nutritional yeast and maybe some vegan Parmesan. And that's funny because I've made the nutritional yeast joke before, and I made that joke because Ann and I bought a bunch. We bought this big bag of it because we love this stuff. We put it on anything we can. I love this stuff so much. I'm so I'm, I'm like this close to snorting it like cocaine. That's how much I like it. So thank you, guys. Honestly, thank you. You are the only ones who ever comment, except for, of course, Critter and then the somewhat nerdy and watch your mouth guys who Critter is both and Herc. And we, we got a couple from some uh, watch your mouth listeners a while back. But other than that, you guys are the only ones who consistently comment. So thank you very much. And since there are only two of you who are going to who are in the running for the gift certificate, I am going to just flip a coin. So let me find one. OK, I found one. So here we go. And the winner of the first ever Future Flicks giveaway is Frat Matt. We had Frat Matt Heads, Brian Q Tails, and I'm sorry, Brian Q, it looks like sometimes Tails does fail. But you know, what? I have a possible consolation prize for you. Uh, in all this moving we've been doing, I found some movies I have copies of. Uh, some of them are brand new, still in package. So you know, we, we message on Twitter, so I'll hit you up. Go, hey, do you have any of these? Do you want them for free? So it's a consolation prize, and you're helping me get rid of stuff. So um, I hope we can find something. But Frat Matt, congratulations. You have won. I will get in contact with you about how to get you the code. So, ladies and gentlemen, we need a new question of the week. The first new question of the week in a while since I've been really pushing the last one. So, you know what? Here we go. Um, I've asked various versions of the question what is your favorite movie? What movies do you love to watch? But here's a new take on it. I mentioned earlier a movie that I compared to Haley's Comet, you know, one that comes around every once in a while. Well, you watch it, go, oh, that was good. And then it, it you it leaves your circle for a while. And then uh, maybe a year, a couple of years later, it comes back like, oh, yeah, that is good. Let me watch it again. What is your Comet movie? What movie do you like, but not necessarily make time to watch very often. So what is the one that you frequently have to remember you like, watch it, enjoy it, and then the cycle starts again. And God, I'm going to have fun writing a reminder for that on Twitter. How to make that short. We'll see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That has been episode 100. 
100 of Future Flicks with Billiam. It seemed a little muddled at times, right? Because I, I drank a lot. I think I've earned it. So let's end this as we always do with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as a somewhat nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars and then comment. Tell me what you think I'm doing right. Tell, tell me what you think I need to improve on. But that five star rating is what we're going for. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Also check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, Good Friends of the Show. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. I promise now that we're wrapping up moving, I'll try to get back into writing again. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. Here's to 100 more episodes, and I'll see you in the future.